So today we're in Acts chapter 8. I really want to encourage you to bring your Bibles when you come. This way you can check and see and make sure I'm not off the wall, you know. And you can make sure that he's teaching me the text. It's so important that you're able to look at it there. As today we're going to study uh, really a, a sermon from the life of this guy named Simon. And we're going to look at his past. Uh, we're going to see uh, the power And then we're going to see something that God is doing in all of our lives as Christians. There's a process in which God is sanctifying us. And so uh, we begin, first of all, with kind of rewinding in the book of Acts. Up to this point, you might remember that there's a work going on in the city of Samaria that a lot of people are getting saved in Samaria. And so uh, it's interesting, though, that they actually go back. Uh, Luke rewinds and he goes back before it all happened. And so there's a reason. Uh, I will say this just uh, initially, that sometimes we need to kind of rewind in life. Sometimes, in a certain way, we need to look back at our life in order to kind of see where we are today. The way that you're made, the way that you were hurt maybe by someone in your past, those are things that you need to deal with, I believe, a lot of times in order to go forward. You don't get stuck there. You don't label yourself, but you look back and you realize that that guy over there, the reason why he has all the problems that he has is because he didn't have a dad growing up. He didn't have any love growing up. He didn't have any stability growing up, no family growing up. Or that girl over there, maybe she was hurt by some guy that broke her heart. You know, those things take their toll on people. And what we do is we search deep inside and then we bring ourselves to the love of God where He alone heals our broken heart. And so we see, as we look back in the life of Simon, notice what we read in Acts chapter 8. I want to start in verse 8. And and there was great joy in that city. And that's my prayer for Almani, that there would be great joy in the city through the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation and the power and the freedom and the grace that he gives, the joy of the Lord, right? But it says in verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously, okay, and that's where we get, get, you know, we're talking about going back, the past, previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, that's all of them, right, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries, For a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. You know, when you look at this, it's an interesting situation. Uh, This guy, uh, Simon, was doing signs and wonders, miracles, and the whole city was giving heed to him. The whole city, it's an interesting thing, was following him. Uh, With that word in the the Greek language, giving heed, it, it means literally that he had them. 
He had them. Now, what was he doing? It wasn't just magic. It wasn't just sleight of hand. It was sorcery. These were signs and wonders that were being done under the influence of the devil. And so he had them under his sway for a season. Everyone was there thought he was great. They even thought like, like it was the work of God. It says right there, notice again in verse 10, they were saying, this man is the great power of God. But it wasn't the power of God. It was the power of the devil. And this was his past. And we're going to see that because he delved in, in, you know, like sorcery. And for some of you here, it might mean drugs. It might mean Satanism. It might mean things that are really dark. That stuff gets deep inside of a person. And that's what happened in the life of Simon. You know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you got to know that Satan can do miracles, right? Uh, we read in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9 that the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And so just because you see a miracle take place doesn't mean necessarily that that's of the Lord, right? You have to test it with the scriptures. You know, Satan can do miracles. Uh, Remember when uh, in the book of Exodus, when Moses was sent to redeem the children of Israel from Egypt? Do you guys remember? And God said, okay, I want you to take the rod and throw it down. It'll become a snake. And so that's what Moses did in the presence of Pharaoh. He threw his rod. It became a snake. But do you remember what the magicians did? They did the same thing. They threw down their rods and and their rods became snakes as well. But here's the thing, man. God's rod swallowed up Those rods, God's snakes, swallowed up those snakes. Now, can you visualize that? That No, seriously. Can you visualize that snake eating the other snakes? We have a video here. I want to show you. And I'm just joking. (laughs) I mean, to me, I'm like, that is so cool. What a visual of the power of God swallowing up the power of the devil. You know, when you continue on there in the book of Exodus and, you know, uh, Moses was used by God to turn the water uh, to blood. The magicians did the same thing of Egypt. Moses brought the frogs in. The magicians then did the same thing. But eventually, their power was limited. They couldn't duplicate the, the miracles of Moses. They, they couldn't bring the lice. And when the boils came, it says they couldn't even stand in the presence of Moses because these magicians were absolutely, completely annihilated. They were defeated by the power of God. And so for us, it's important to know, as we know our scripture, that yeah, Satan can do miracles. Doesn't mean that's the truth. You got to test it with the message. Are the signs lining up with scripture? And so, you know, we got to know that. But then we also got to know at the end of the day, the power of God prevails. And that's what we're going to be after in life, you know. When you look at this guy, Simon, in Samaria and looking at his past, it's easy to see that Satan was using him to capture the people, cast a spell on them. As a matter of fact, if you have an old King James Version, it says that he bewitched them. And so he did this in order to have them exalt Simon and then they would follow Simon, which meant ultimately they didn't even know it. They were actually following the devil. And so all these lying wonders were taking place. But then what happened? One day this guy Philip arrives. He's not a pastor. He's not a preacher. He's not some great guy. He's just an ordinary guy just like any one of us. But he had something so powerful. He had the gospel. 
And when he went into Samaria, he preached, it says, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And when he went in there with that message that we're sinners, separated from God, but there is God's Son, the Savior, sent. Jesus came, died on a cross, rose again. All you have to do is believe and you'll be saved. And there was power in that gospel message. And one by one, the people began to get saved and set free from the power of the enemy, right? And we see that there is so beautiful what happens. One by one, they start getting saved. Men and women set free, believed, and then they were baptized. And so the Holy Spirit uses Simon's preaching in order to save them. And it even got to the guy named Simon. Notice again what we read there in verse 13. It says, Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed concerning the miracles and signs which were done. Now, you know, when you read commentaries on this, or you listen to studies on this, you're going to have differing opinions. And so I just want to let you know, some people believe that Simon wasn't really saved. And, you know, they'll, they'll have their reasons for it. And I can't be dogmatic about it. But when I read the scripture right here in verse 13, to me, just letting the Bible speak at face value, it seems to me that, that he was. It says in verse 13, Simon himself also believed. I mean, it, it includes him also with the other believers. I mean, it seems to me that he, he got saved, although his salvation was based a little bit more on the miracles. Look at verse 13. He, he, he believed, was baptized. He continued with Philip, and he was amazed with the miracles. You know, for him, it was more like something that drew him, the miracles and the signs, more than the message and the scriptures. But I, I think the Bible does say that, that he believed. It doesn't say he was a tear among the wheat. It doesn't say he was a wolf among sheep's clothing. No, it says that, that he believed. And so, uh, again, the reason I say that is because I think that will come into play later. You know, you wonder, why did God push the rewind button? Why, after having already spoken about the salvation and joy in the city, why, is he, why does he go back to what previously happened before all that stuff and into the life of this guy named Simon? And, I, and as I was reading it, I was just, this to me anyways, and having, you can talk to the pastors here and they'll tell you that this is what's going on in the church. You know, why are people struggling? You know, they're still struggling even though they're a Christian. You know, we all are on this journey. We're, there's this process of sanctification. Salvation is instantaneous, man. You get your life to Christ. You know, and you're, you're saved, you're, you're signed, you're sealed, you're delivered, man. You go get hit by a car, please don't do that. But if you do, you know, you don't have to worry because salvation is an instant gift. You're justified instantaneously in the sight of God, legally declared righteous. That happens in, in the twinkling of an eye when you give your life to Christ. It can happen right in your seat, right now. You don't need to come forward, although that's kind of cool. Eventually, you've got to make it public. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't even have to say some prayer. I mean, all you have to do is believe in Christ right now. It happens instantly. But sanctification 
is a lifelong process. God, I want to be a man of God. God, I want to be like Samson in the Bible. I remember reading that guy Samson in the Bible and he had so much strength. You know, and what is that all about? I mean, is that all about physical strength? No. It's a picture of spiritual strength. It's a picture how you can be in the kingdom of God like a Superman, like a Wonder Woman. Seriously. I think a lot of times Christians, they sell short. They, they fall short. They don't realize what God can do in their lives. And part of going forward, we're going to see a couple of things here. Number one is the person and power of the Holy Spirit. But number two is dealing with the past. What's happening in your heart? What, what happened to you in your life? You know, it's interesting when you read this right here, God gives us the background to this guy named Simon. But then watch what happens in verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they lay hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. And so dealing, looking at the past, looking at the past and now looking at the power. You know, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Prior to being saved, the Holy Spirit is with you and he's convicting you of your sin and he's convincing you of your Savior. And he starts drawing you to church or drawing you to read the Bible or drawing you to prayer. That's the Holy Spirit with you. But then when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you and you become the temple of God. But you can't stop there. These believers were saved. These believers were were baptized. These believers had the Holy Spirit in them, but that wasn't enough. And so the apostles come down from Jerusalem and they have this gift and this calling of laying hands on the people. And when they laid hands on the people, then the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that's when they received power. Now, we don't know for sure exactly what happened that day, they could have spoken tongues. Sometimes when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you just speak the word of, of God with boldness. But it was evident. It was visible. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, others will see it. You won't be able to hide it. I won't look at you and wonder whether or not you're saved. I won't look at you and wonder whether or not you got power or not. I'll see it in your walk. It's like the wind. When the wind blows, you see the effect of it. And I think that a lot of times we forget as Christians that this is what we need. We need power. You know, I know this isn't a perfect illustration, but I was thinking maybe it could help you to think perhaps along these lines, let's just say you have a car, it's a nice car, but it doesn't have any gas in it. 
So you go up to the car, you stick the key in, you turn the ignition, and it doesn't start. That was you before you were a Christian. No life. Dead in your sins. On your way to hell. But Jesus Christ came into your life. And so now we put the gas in the car, so to speak, and we turn the engine and it starts, right? And you're like, hey, there's something going on inside, man. There's an engine here. It's, 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 there's power here, right? And so, uh, uh, you know, that's cool. There's, that's, that's nice. But imagine if that's all you did with your car. You got a car. It's a nice car. It's a nice engine. Smells good. You know, you know how the new car smell is? Some of you look, no, I never had one, but well, I was in my friend's one time. <laughs> but it's just sitting there in the, in the driveway, and, and that's us. A lot of times some Christians are like that. You know, now they have power, and they can start it up, but God is just saying, that's not enough. You know, put it in drive and step on the gas. Then you'll see power. And as a matter of fact, don't just let it be. I remember when I had a Toyota Tercel. Don't let it be one of those, you know. I remember when I stepped on the gas, it would just think about going, you know. <laughs> let it be like my friend's 1967 Mustang Fastback. Oh, man, if I could get one dream car, that would be it, man. I remember my friend, we would get in his car, and he just had it all fixed up and juiced up. And he would step on the gas, and it would just suck our heads into the seat. <laughs> And, you know, just the power. And that's what God wants to do in our life. God wants to give us that Holy Spirit power, not just in us, but upon us. And that's why Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, to Arian to Jerusalem, until you are endued uh, from power with power from on high. It's interesting there because in that passage, he calls it the promise of my father. Imagine that the promise of, of the Father is to give us the Holy Spirit upon us. Isn't that cool? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, and you'll be witnesses to me. You know, you're going to receive that power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be witnesses to me. And we're seeing it here, Judea, Samaria, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. That's what we need. This is who we need. This is why they sent this whole thing there to Samaria and we have to have that same thing. You know, I was uh, talking in the first service and we're going to do it even at the end of service today. We're going to give you that opportunity. Are you here today and you feel like you don't have that power? Something's missing in your life? I can't just read this and leave you as you are. We want to give you that opportunity today and tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to do that again. We're going, to just, we're, going to want to, we're going to lay hands on people. And we're going to pray that you would receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized with Him and be filled with Him. That He would have all of you and you would have all of Him. I mean, to me, I don't know what your life is like. I don't know what you're trying to, to do or what you know, is fun for you, man. But there is nothing like walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know when you're not because you're empty inside and you're failing. God wants to encourage you today with something that's so beautiful. And they laid hands on them. And to me, the key for this whole thing is just praying, praying, praying. Are you a praying person? Do you get on your knees? Do you cry before the Lord? 
Do you pray with other people? Do you have other people pray for you? Do you pray for them? You will never experience the power of the Holy Spirit until you become a praying person. And if you're not a praying person, then become one by having someone who is a praying person lay hands on you and pray over you. Prayer is the key. Luke 11, Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And Acts chapter 2 was a prayer meeting when the Holy Spirit came. This is what we need. He is who we need. And so this is going on there in Samaria. But watch what happens next in verse 18. Again, we read this. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You know, Peter rebukes him. But you know what? Simon, he doesn't, you know, get all mad. What you talking about, Willis? He doesn't get all upset or anything like that. You know, I mean, that's what people who aren't saved, that's probably what they would do. They would probably like get upset. You know what? He kind of shows a little bit of humility. And he, and he says in verse 24, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may, may come upon me. I mean, it would have been better for him just to pray and and not to just want to avert judgment. But still, there's an aspect of humility there. And so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem. So beautiful, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And so that book of Acts is sharing how the gospel is going out even to the Samaritans. And so, you know, when you see this story, um, this last portion right here i don't know what you know hits you um i'll start with this though that it's interesting to me how simon offers peter money for the gift of being able to lay hands on others that they might receive the holy spirit and peter i don't know i don't think he was tempted but i do know that a lot of men nowadays are tempted by money i do know that there are a lot of ministers in the so-called ministry for the money. I know there are a lot of guys on TV. They're, you know, whatever, pastors uh, for a payroll. They're prophets for a profit. I do know that there are some guys, and there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, the Bible says a laborer is worthy of his wages, and there's nothing wrong with having a church staff. But when God looks in someone's heart, he can see whether or not they're a hireling. And they're in it for the money. You know, right here, Peter, who knows? Maybe he flashed the cash. Hey, here's $10,000. What do you think? And Peter's thinking, hey, man, I could get like a brand new chariot or something with this, you know. But, you know, he doesn't even go there. I don't think he was tempted. He was so filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. And he's just like, man, absolutely not. Simon, you have problems. You have problems. 
You know, you're bound in iniquity. You're poisoned by bitterness. What was going on in Simon's life? Well, he used to be top gun. He used to be number one. But now he's not. Now this guy Philip just comes in and just, you know, this whoever Jesus comes in and, and they're just taking over. And I lost all my, you know, status and, you know, how people used to esteem me. Now they don't anymore. And in his heart, he was poisoned. There was something that had gone on in the past that was this took root that was so deep that was satanic that now I think even as a Christian, if he's a Christian, it's still holding him back of the work that God wants to do. And I'll, and I'll deal with that real quick. Let me just say this. You guys, we don't have to be top gun. You shouldn't want to be top gun. You shouldn't ever, we should never want to touch the glory of God. You don't need that. You don't need the accolades of men. You want to know why? Because you have the approval of God. We do what we do, not so that men can say what they might say about us, but what does God say and what does God know about us? That was his problem, but I don't know for a lot of us here, it might be something different. When Simon looked into the soul, I mean, when Peter looked into the soul of Simon, he saw, man, there's bitterness. Some people here might have bitterness. And you can, you can shake your head, no, I, I don't have it. Hey, it is what it is. And you know, one of the songs that Angel was singing today, it had to do with the fact that we, we, we've got to be honest. God sees everything. We bring everything to him. If there's bitterness there, let the Lord root it out. You know, we've gone through things in the past that make us who we are in the present. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things that we can think about. But, you know, the other day, my wife and I, we were sharing our testimony and, and just giving a little lesson on love over at Calvary Chapel Downey, the singles ministry. We were so scared. <laughs> but anyways you know um, we're just talking about that passage that says God is love God is love why does God love you because of who he is not because of who you are although you are precious and you are made in his image and you are the apple of his eye and you've got to know how beautiful you are but at the same time we're sinners God loves you because of who he is. God is love. And so you know what that means? That means that there will never, ever be a moment in your life where God doesn't love you perfectly. And see, that's so foreign to us because that is not the way the world is. The world says, you know, if you're like me, I'll love you. Or the world might say, well, if you like me, I'll love you. Right? How many of you here, you're like, man, I don't like that guy. Why not? Because he's not like me. Or she, you know, I found out they don't like me. They're talking smack behind my back. And so, 
You know, and so we live in a world that's based on that, unfortunately. But the love of God, it never fluctuates. It'll never change. Nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Here's the question. This is really the only question. Will you let his love sink in? Oh, I don't know, man. I'm pretty messed up and you've got all these things that are going on in your life or you can't accept his love because of your circumstances or just that, and that, and that messes everything up. You know, in our testimony, and Shelly and I were sharing a little bit about what can happen and what can hinder a person from receiving God's love. And, you know, number one, we're, bro- we're born with broken hearts. You know, because we're, we're born fallen. We have a sin nature. So your heart is already broken when you're born. But then there, life has a way of breaking your heart even more. You know, and so my wife was sharing how when she was growing up, it wasn't a Christian home. And how there was a lot of like fighting going on. And there was uh, a lot of uh, put downs. You know, and, I, and her, she had parents that provided for her and and I know they loved her the best that they could but when you're not a Christian what can you do and so you know just especially sometimes siblings always putting you down always putting you down always telling you that you're nothing eventually you believe them and then she was telling us and sharing a little bit about how you know when she was in high school as a sophomore how there was a, a, a guy, she said he was really good looking. I thought it was ugly, to be honest with you. <laughs> she, uh, I guess he was supposed to be some star athlete and, and popular. I think he was nothing, to be honest with you, man. But you know, I mean, they entered into a relationship and they were together for a year and she's meeting the parents and they're all talking marriage and she thought this was the love of her life. And then that little girl with a broken heart got her heart broken even more when this fool broke up with her. Right? I thank God he did because then (laughs) I ended up with her. But you got to understand that when a person goes through things, and I know like a lot of people, they like to compare themselves to others. Don't, Don't do that. You don't know what they've been through. So, so she's having a hard time from that point forward and even, you know, sometimes now receiving love because of the things that she's gone through in her life. You know, recently when I went to Nepal, and I don't know why I'd never caught it before, but I, I was giving my testimony and it, for whatever reason, it, it had never hit me before. But when I was giving my testimony, I was sharing, you know, and, and it just something flooded me as I was sharing and I, and I realized this, something that you guys probably already knew, but I just didn't know, that all my life, I was looking for love. Didn't find it. Didn't have a stable family. My dad wasn't there. My mom, praise God, she did the best she could. But when I was little, she was in an accident. They didn't really know the Lord. There was a Catholic background, but we didn't really know the Lord 
And so, you know, I go and I start living with my aunt and uncle after my dad was shot in a drive-by shooting. He survived, but just a lot of things end up happening. And then I remember going to them and going to my aunt and uncle and saying, can I call you mom and dad? And I remember just a little boy. They said, no. I didn't understand why. I just felt rejected again. And, And those things in life, At the end of the day, we were sharing with the singles there that the way that we're wired is we're wired to be loved. We're looking for love all our life. And the only place we'll ever find that love is in Jesus Christ. You know, and everyone else, they do the best that they can But their love falls short, and eventually you're going to be disappointed. But when you fix your eyes on the Lord and you focus on Him, then you begin, like little by little, as, as Angel was sharing. And you know, a lot of the songs that Angel does, they talk a lot about the love of God. I feel like in my life now, and I've been a Christian for a long time, but I feel like I'm barely beginning to understand it. I'm just like barely getting my feet wet into this amazing truth that I have found on unconditional love. Good days, bad days. You're not going to leave me. There will be stability. I can call him my father. And that's what we need to hold on to. You know, and you got to deal with your past. You have to. You don't get stuck there, but you begin to realize the things that might be hindering you from going forward. And so this is it's kind of interesting. You know, a lot of the ladies, they got really excited when they found out there was no homework. <laughs> so what I thought I would do is I'm going to give you guys some homework. Is that okay? Three pages, 12, 12 font, Helvetica. No, I'm just joking. I don't have to do that. No, this is all I want you to do. And, and, you know, here's the thing, okay? Guys, guys are different. I think guys are different. Guys are just like, you know, ah, it's no big deal. You know, so you just keep going, you know. You don't, like, do any soul searching, you know, that kind of stuff. So this is all I'm going to say is that you get with the Lord. You get on your knees. You get with the Lord. And you start looking into your heart. Is there anything there that, that doesn't belong? Are you bound by iniquity? You're poisoned with with bitterness? Is there anything there that maybe it got there a long time ago because you were hurt by someone or whatever the case is? Deal with it. That's my prayer is that do your homework. Get on your knees before God and ask Him to show you things about your past. Don't get stuck there. We forget those things. It doesn't get in the way. It's like a rearview mirror. It's very small compared to the windshield. But we got to know who we are by kind of looking at what we've been through. And that, for Simon, that was him. These were deep, satanic things that were in his heart that didn't belong. And so he had to deal with it. Peter brought it up to the surface. And now God can do a work. And that's what we want, you guys. We just want you to be blessed. We want you to win. I always praying for you that you would have victory. 
And I think as we go through the scriptures here today, we see that this is what God wants. You know, we look at this guy Simon and you're, and you're you know, some people, oh, he's not saved because he did bad. No, sanctification doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of time. But we have to continue to go forward. You know, one last thing. It's interesting to me how the guy that Peter is dealing with is named Simon. And I was thinking about, wasn't that, isn't that what they used to call Peter before? <laughs> but now he's different. Now he's a rock. God wants to do that in your life. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what the pain, the heartache. I'm telling you the truth. Jesus Christ loves you. And he has such an awesome plan for your life. I pray that if you don't know him, that today you'd make that decision to follow Christ. And if you do, that you would want all of him. Lord, today, please baptize me with your Holy Spirit.